Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 21 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast brought to you by PJS and Co-CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer. Today we're talking about cash flow. And this is the first episode in a series that we're going to be focusing on cash flow. But the focus of today's episode is don't mistake profits for cash flow because they don't always go hand in hand. So we'll start by defining each of those terms, talking about how your business could show a profit, but still potentially fail due to cash flow issues, because that is a really, really big mistake that some business owners make. They think that, you know, that profit is showing and they run into cash flow issues and it just, it can mean the end of your business. So it's a really important topic to discuss. And we're going to be talking about how you'll analyze the current cash flow situation next week. And then uh, talking about some common issues and how to fix them in future episodes. Uh, So today I am joined by CPA uh, and co-owner of PJS and co-CPAs, Jamie Johnson. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I feel like after that intro, I'm like, as a as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you want to say, "Show me the money." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's so much to think about as a business owner, and I think that's why people, you know, they sometimes like, "Oh, making profit, we're good," but if you don't look at the other side of it, at the cash flow, it can mean bad things are ahead. So that's why we're talking about it today. Absolutely. So before before we dive into all that, it's been a little bit since we touched base. So yeah, <laughs> what's new? What's new? Oh, sick is the new black or something. <laughs> That's what I feel like the theme of, of my life has been lately. I think probably a lot of people have uh, felt the sickness, you know. So uh, we traveled for the holidays, and uh, my lovely three children were sick almost every day. <laughs> so that was an adventure in itself. But you have sounds like you have some more fun adventures than than being sick and traveling from Texas to Illinois. So <laughs> well, in a family of five, too. It seems like as soon as one person gets better, it passes back around. It just goes in a loop. So I grew up in a family of six and it was always some sickness like going around. So it, it is. It's always my yeah, I'm one of I'm one of one of four kids. My um oldest sister has Down syndrome and then um me and then I got a little brother and little sister as well. But yeah, so we were there's always seems like there's always something going yeah. around and everything. So my daughter's got bad allergies. And so whenever we go from one area to a whole nother kind of climate, like we went from Texas all the way up to Illinois and it just at most of the time will take her time to just really adjust Mm -hmm. um, from an allergy perspective and everything. So about the time that she got well, her twin brother brother got sick, then she picked up a little fever and then the four-year-old was sick at the same time. And Uh, my dad and brother ended up with flu B and, you know, I mean, it just. (laughs) Well, hopefully they're on the men now. 
I, I hope so. I hope so. But you went camping, which is a whole lot more fun than traveling with sickness. <laughs> <laughs> we did go camping. So our, our family has a Jeep and we went out to Anza this weekend. And have you heard of overlanding? I have not. So I was giving my husband a hard time about this the whole weekend. And if he listens to this episode, he's going to laugh. But in, it's big in the Jeep world. So overlanding is when you pack everything with you. And, you know, like we got a, a rack for the top. So like tent, sleeping bags, everything went on top. You go out to a trail, you find a little spot, you camp right there, pack up, keep going. So, but <laughs> he was all excited about this overlanding, you know, quote unquote overlanding. So us and the friend that we went with, we were giving him, oh, we're overlanding right now. We're overland. Like everything that we, this is overland eggs that we made for breakfast. <laughs> <But> overkill. <laughs> what? I said overkill. Yeah, exactly. Basically. <laughs> so it was fun. It was a little difficult putting everything for a family of four on a two-door Jeep for the, you know, we only went one night, but I was still like, it was the first time we had done it. And yeah. it was about 35 degrees at night. So I was making sure everybody had everything they needed to, you know, stay warm, but it was a right. little stressful, but it was fun. It ended up being fun. Well, you're brave with your littles because I, Adam and I love to camp and we have not been, we went, we rented a cabin this last summer in Oklahoma, um, up or in the, around the Beaver's Bend State Park. And it's really, really fun, but we went kayaking and, and everything. We haven't just really taken time. We did a lot of hiking and, and everything. So yeah. just say that I am not in the best shape I've ever been in. <laughs> so, but it was fun. It was, it was really fun kind of getting out um, the two of us, but we've talked about it often about taking the kids. Like the kids are finally starting to get, you know, being eight and being four, um, finally starting to kind of get where we could, you know, trust, you know, trust the, trust the older kids and not yeah. have to around so you're you're brave with yours because yours are a little lower than mine <laughs> it definitely wasn't a relaxing trip I'll say that much because like around the campfire you know we Bailey will be two in a week next week so I was just like a hawk like I'm not usually a helicopter mom or I try not to be but in, if there's a campfire around you know I can't just tell her don't, yeah. don't touch that because she, she she's two you know so it was definitely like just following her around and making sure everything was good and it's just it would be a lot easier if it was just Zach and I. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. We Adam made a, a smoker here in Texas. Ooh. It's very like they make smokers out of hot water heaters. So our hot water heater went oh, out really? a couple years ago, and some of our guys from church and Adam made a smoker out of a hot water heater. Crazy, crazy project. But actually, he made his first brisket a couple weekends ago. It's the best brisket I've ever had in my life. Nice. Um, and but. We kept telling the four-year-old, our four-year-old, Adeline, she said, we said, do not touch, do not touch, do not touch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and thankfully, it was just her thumb, but she went to shut the door. She's just, I mean, she sees the older kids doing stuff, not that they yep. were touching them, but she's just one, to, she's a doer. Yep. And um, thankfully, it was just her thumb, but she, it, it, they, it made her stay 12 feet away from the smoke room. Of the time, the hard way. I know. And we told her, we tried to warn her. We tried yeah. to say how fun it was, but I mean, it's just, it was insane how sometimes they have to learn and you just always hope that those learning experiences aren't too rough for them. <laughs> yeah. A similar thing happened with our oldest. We got out there and 
we were setting up camp and it was the first time she'd really been around cactus. So we showed her, we said, those are very, very pokey. Do not touch those. It yeah. maybe lasted three minutes and she fell on one on her knee and she stayed away from him after that. But sometimes they got to learn the hard way. I know. Heck, I feel like as adults, sometimes we, even when we're warned, oh, about yeah. it, we still, we, we, know, we know better. We think, you know, we think we know better, I guess. Yep. So. <laughs> yep. So speaking so of knowing better, let's talk about cash flow and hopefully we can keep people from having to learn the hard way. Absolutely. So we should start with the definition of profit versus cash flow. And I know it seems pretty straightforward, but I just want to define both terms so that we're all on the same page before we dig any deeper. Yeah, so profit is is you know typically like your profit your profit statement is more like your your profit and loss. But what that is is that's that's your income, that's your revenue that you're bringing in, your gross, and taking out all of your you know cost of goods sold or your expenses and what you're left with at the end of the day. That's that's the definition of profit, right? Um, cash flow is how much cash you have coming in and how much cash you have going out. So that it, those are kind of the two high level definitions. Um, Sorry if those are too elementary for you, but that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. And a lot of times, um, you know, people will have a profit and they'll say, where did that money go? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that's a question that you get asked all the time. And so it's very important for, especially a business owner to understand. So and depending on, you know, the types of business that you're in and the types of industry in which that you operate, you know, you may you may have to put out, um, you know, you may have to cover costs before that income comes in. Typically, um, you would pull in at least partial of the revenue before you have to cover costs, you know. So depending on if you um, are a heavy you know, manufacturer where you're going to have a lot of hard costs associated with your revenue, Versus somebody who's a service based, so they may do the work, um, and it may just be a service, you know. So there's no product, but there's your time mm-hmm. associated with that, or maybe one of your contractors' times associated um, with that. So it's really, in, really important to know and understand that how and when you collect your revenue. Do you com- do it at the completion of your service? Do you do half before, half at the end? Um, those are really important um, components to know and to understand because when you collect that money, are you recognizing it as, as, as income, as revenue? Right. But you might not have the cash in hand. So you may have net 15 days. You may give a discount for paying early. You may, those are all common practices. Um, whenever you, you book a sale, maybe you get a $500,000 contract and, but that $500,000 isn't going to be received for another eight months, but you have to cover all the costs to complete that contract. Right. So, um, so it's definitely from a timing perspective, cash flow is, it's a very important aspect to understand that you have enough cash to cover your expenses and the, and the timing of when that revenue is coming in. And we always want to bring it back to business growth, business profitability. You know, that's always the focus of what we're trying uh-huh. to accomplish and what we're trying to encourage in all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. So now that we've defined the terms, the implications of ca- having cash flow issues within your business can be 
catastrophic. So let's talk about some of the major implications of cash flow issues if you don't address them early on. So some of the some of the big implications that we have is, you know, basically it really slows down the growth of your business. Not having access to the proper cash can can really can really slow down that growth rate of your business. The next thing is is, you know, less freedom, more stress. So as wonderful entrepreneurs <laughs> that we are, um, we typically don't just carry the stress of ourselves, but we carry the stress of our customers, our vendors, our employees, our contractors, ourselves. And that's a lot. Our families, it really it, it could impact our families directly. So very much of a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, not having the freedom and the and you don't have to have full freedom. Let me let me clarify that that you don't have to have the full freedom to just have endless amounts of cash because that's not the question either, right? Right, okay. right. You know, but you aren't if you do not have if you do not monitor your cash flow issues. There's going to be very limited actions that you can take that go hand mm-hmm. in hand with that growth of your business or the profitability of your business because you're so tied. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it a lot of stress, um, like I said, in your life. And when you're responsible and you're accountable to a lot of other parties, it it really that mental, that emotional stress, it just completely can can just really break you down as an individual. Um, and something that a statistic that we came across from score was 82 percent of businesses fail because of cash flow issues. And, you know, it's something that is so, it's, it's a very time consuming thing to keep. Okay. It's something that you have to monitor very closely. And a lot of times people don't want to pay somebody to do it. They don't have the right schedules in place um, for their, for their staff to be able to monitor those. And so therefore you're reacting to decisions versus trying to be proactive and knowing what's coming down the pike and what you can expect and the, how, how the cash flow is coming in. So those are three more bigger uh, implications of, of when you have those restricted cash flow. Yeah. And that's obviously, you know, at the end of the line of you've ignored cash flow issues for quite some time and now it's become a a big issue. And that's what we want to try to avoid in talking about this topic and addressing it so that you can get a handle on where you are now, analyze what you need to do and monitor it closely to avoid all of these issues that can eventually happen. So next, I want to talk a little bit about a little bit further about the differences between cash flow and profit because there's a couple of different situations that we had talked about prior to this podcast and recording that actually I wasn't aware of, you know, as a non-CPA, you don't really think about you know, liabilities and why it matters, you know, because we can get into all the accounting techie talk, uh, you know, the, the mm-hmm. CPA lingo, but why does it actually matter to me in the end? Um, as a business owner. So let's talk a little bit about um, long-term liabilities. And, you know, like I said, I don't want to get too much into tax lingo or, or anything like that. <laughs> but You don't want uh, our listeners to sleep? Is that what no, you're saying? No, no. Let's try to avoid that. <laughs> you might be driving while listening to this. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to accidents on our conscience. <laughs> Sure, sure. So, you know, typically when you have a long-term liability where you have 
taken money, you know, of, of any sort, whether it be a line of credit or whether it be a mortgage or, you know, just, just debt, long-term debt that you took out to, um, that you're eventually going to pay back. You're on a payment schedule. You know, you have an amortization schedule, you know, typically with lines of credit, you have your interest only, which is fully, you know, obviously tax deductible and everything, but just let's take this from a personal perspective. Okay. You have your house and you have your mortgage payment, right? Mm -hmm. And for all purposes, we're just going to look at principal and interest. So you have your principal portion and you have your interest portion. Mm -hmm. Let's just say those, you know, obviously it's, it's going to change each time, but you have a thousand dollars for your mortgage payment and 500 of that goes to your principal and 500 of that goes to your interest. Yeah. Um, you know, actually let's just say you have a mortgage on your business property <laughs> for that. There we go. So you have, you know, $10,000 in revenue at the end year and every month you pay $500 um, towards your principal and $500 towards your interest um, every every month. So, you know, your your total amount, right, is going to be $12,000 of cash out, right? right? $1,000 a month of your mortgage, mm -hmm. okay? But you actually have $6,000 of deductibility in that, meaning that you have your interest expense is deductible so on taxes when we're talking taxes, right? Right. When we're talking taxes and we're profit and loss, even just your financial statements. Okay. Your print half of that. So $500 each month is going towards the principal pay down of that mortgage. So your liabilities increase, I'm sorry, decreased and you don't have as much owed. Okay. And half of that is going towards is, is paying the interest portion of that mortgage and that's deductible. So if you had $10,000 in revenue and you had $6,000 of mortgage interest, $4,000 is what you're going to have to, you know, for, for the simple, for the sake of simplicity in this, in this, uh, example that I'm giving you, 4,000 is going to be taxable. Okay. You don't have a $2,000 loss, meaning $10,000 of revenue and $12,000 of cash outflow. That cash outflow doesn't matter. So only half of that is deductible from an interest expense. Half of that went to pay down of the liability. Okay. So you, you would uh, report from a tax perspective, $4,000 of income. Okay. So obviously you'd have conversations with your, your CPA or your tax preparer as to how much tax you would pay, you know, right. so that's a whole, again, that's a whole nother conversation, but understanding that all of those cash outflows are not always deductible. Right. Mm -hmm. So just highlighting again, the difference between that profit on the profit and loss versus the cash flow hit that you're taking by making those payments because it is, it's different. Mm -hmm. um, and I was actually, I was talking to my hairdresser. This is kind of a, another offshoot here, but she was talking about, she <laughs> recently in the past year opened her own salon and she's mm -hmm. anxious about meeting with her CPA. Cause she said, Oh my God, it's tax time. I don't know what I, where I stand. And I told her, I said, you know, does it, doesn't he offer, you know, any type of tax planning or anything so that you can, you know, what to put away every quarter or every month. And she goes, you know, I didn't even know that was an option. And so I think a lot of people, you know, they don't even think about that. They just wait until tax time and then they have all this anxiety about it. Um, but I, I caught that when you were talking about, you know, talk to your CPA about what you're looking at when it comes to the difference between these two and what you're going to be able to, to deduct and things like that. So 
just know that that's an option or it should be. And if it's not, find somebody that can help you reduce that stress because it's not something that you should have to stress about until March or April or whenever you're filing your taxes. You know, you don't you don't have to just have this be a huge question mark unknown of, well, I know it's coming up and I'm hope I hope I'm good. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it's, it's, um, I've had three calls, three reach outs, um, from referral sources of current clients of that just in the last week, that is like, I don't know if I'm good. I don't know what to expect every year. I stress out at this time of year. Should I, what should I have done different? What should I be doing? And, and really being proactive and know where you're at and, and being able to, be comfortable with that. You know what I mean? And know that somebody's got your back in that is a huge, it's a, it's a huge like reducer of stress, you know? So sometimes, you know, when we pay for services, it's not just because we want to know at the end, but like your mental peace of mind is worth something. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's continue on to some best practices to have that cash flow continuity. So managing the credit you give um, to your customer. So obviously you're you're going to want to have a consistent policy. You don't want a different policy for each of your different customers. You know, if you can avoid that, it's just more um, managerial duties, A, for you to do more time that it takes and everything. So having a consistent policy is something that's uh, really important to the collection. But being able to even have the effective reporting to knowing who owes you, how much they owe you, when you can expect that payment, the communication that they have with you. Maybe they didn't receive the invoice. Maybe your invoice went to spam. You know, making sure that you have all of those uh, monitored and you have somebody managing those for you is a really, really important um, aspect. Sometimes, you know, you can, uh, you can, and you know, give people a 2% discount for paying within the first 10 days. Maybe you need to have the payment received before any work is started or before anything is ordered. You actually have to receive the money, um, which is a very common practice among business owners. Uh, Second thing, keep your books up to date. Obviously, if you don't have anything, if you don't have your books up to date, your, your data is as useful and useless, I guess I should probably say, is is as useful as you have it up to date. So if you're really struggling with cash flow, it's going to be really important for you to keep those books up to date. And sometimes the most mm-hmm. common phrase we hear is, I can't afford it. And I would say to them, you can't afford not to. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. it is a huge piece of that. Um it can really save you a lot, a lot of headache, <laughs> and it can really save you a lot of positions in which that you put yourself in where you don't have enough cash. Um, knowing and being able to be proactive against any shortfalls or any surpluses that you might have and how you manage those and what you do um, with that cash influx or the um or the outflow, obviously. So understanding and having those reports and utilizing that information and keeping it timely is really, timeliness is a huge component of um, the accounting industry and what we do and how we report and everything. If I'm just now catching up your books from quarter one of 2019, obviously that is not going to be useful information, nor is it going to be timely information for you and you cannot make effective business decisions. So it takes two to tango, obviously. (laughs) 
So making sure that, you know, your accountant, your your staff accountant or your CPA, whoever you use, if you outsource somebody, it's really important for them to have timely information for you so that they can give you timely reports so that you can make the effective business decisions that you need to. Contingency plans for borrowing. It's always good to have that plan B. Um, typically, in most cases, that plan B is always like a line of credit. Um, maybe you have a credit card that, you know, is kind of like can act as a line of credit for you if you cannot get a formal line of credit. So it's always good to have that line of credit just in case you need to tap into it, even if you pay it back within a few weeks and, and just be able to cover that cash flow shortfall, um, you know, just to continue business operations so something else doesn't have to give. Uh, manage your bill payment schedule. So, you know, when you pay your bills, when they're actually due and effectively managing that, you know, as soon as something comes in, if you turn around and you just pay it and then you have a cash flow shortage and that wasn't due for another 30 days, maybe you could have pushed that out to day 20 and that could have saved you, but you're going to have to make sure that that is managed. So managing that that bill payment, um, your accounts payable. And, and ha once again, we kind of go back to that reporting, making sure that you have timely information. It's really important. Make sure you fund your business properly. So, you know, how you start your business, maybe it's with your own cash. Maybe it's with an investor's cash. Maybe it's with a bank loan. Um, you know, making sure that the terms of those loans are going to work well with your business. You know, you, do, you don't want to get, you know, for instance, like a, a loan that's going to change interest rates and it's going to totally, you know, cause so much havoc and call on interest in two years. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you have something that's adequately, um, you know, funded, or if you have an investor and they, they're able to call on that money in a year and a half, and you're not going to have the cash likely to, to do that. So be careful signing an on-demand note or, you know, so making sure that you have the right um, parameters in place for your business is really, really important. Uh, keeping managing your inventory and not having a constant, you know, you obviously want to have enough and you don't want to have too little, but you also don't want to just have waste and you don't want to have a bunch of items in which that you're just trying to get your money back on and that you're having mm -hmm. to go through all of that. So managing your inventory levels, a lot of times within inventory systems, um, you can, you know, have it alert you if something gets below a certain amount. So making sure your alerts and your inventory management system is, is properly set up. So. Okay. And like I said earlier during the intro, next week we'll be talking about analyzing your current cash flow situation to assess further where you stand. So we'll be diving into these a little deeper, but let's just cover on a big picture level. What can you do to start ensuring that you're monitoring this stuff properly? So reporting your data entry and making sure that your accounting system, however you're using that is really is, is is up to date, right? So I talked about if I'm just now trying to get your reporting done for Q1 of 2019, like that doesn't really help you in Q1 of 2020, yeah. right? So yeah. making sure that things are timely and you're, you're getting the reports, you're asking questions and you're being proactive um, and understanding what that cash actually means to you. So um, if you're going to have a delay or if you're going to have your, you know, your tax estimates are going to come due. So utilizing and understanding how your cash is going to hit throughout the, the year. So maybe you're budgeting $10,000 a month for revenue, but that doesn't mean you're actually going to receive. What does that mean 
to your cash flow in which so when you receive that 10, you know, that $10,000, maybe it's due on the first of the following month, maybe it's due, you know, 10 days after. So understanding when that cash is actually going to hit and when your expenses are going to hit. You, you know, obviously you can't do something so perfect that it's, you know, there's never going to be any variables, but I'm trying to get that as close from a budget um, perspective and a cat kind of like a cash flow budget um, is a very important tool to be able to, to look at those. So you can definitely, like, you know, we always talk about having the proper advisory staff. So maybe you have staff that needs to work with your outsourced CPA or your outsourced um, staff accountant. And, and knowing the timing of that, working together and having those, that information can definitely shield you from, from further pitfalls, from not having enough, enough cash and, and knowing what to do. So, and your, you know, your advisory team, if you don't have a banker, if you don't have, they should be able to help you with some sort of relationship to be able to establish that and to know you know, what they can set up and those, those safeguards to be able, you know, kind of that safety net <laughs> to catch you that if you do misstep and you, you know, you underestimate something, you overestimate something and you need cash and you need it fast, you know, us to depend on that personally really kind of puts us in between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. Um, so you, you say so you want to make sure you're, you're managing those, but you know, having the right advisory staff in place, it will help you um, and give you the right contacts and the right tools and the financial tools to be able to make sure that those, um, to avoid those pitfalls. Fantastic. Well, and like we said, more small businesses fail from lack of cash flow than they do from lack of profit. So it is something that we want to stress the importance of and really getting a handle on what your situation is. And if you don't know how to do that, find someone that can help you because it is such a keystone to a successful business. So we're going to continue our conversation about cash flow with Katina next week. And then again with Jamie Staley, we're going to do the, the week following. So we have a couple different topics surrounding cash flow to help you get a handle on it. And if you have any questions about cash flow or anything else, feel free to email us at info at pjscpas.com or find us on social. We're on pretty much all the social sites, Facebook, we have a LinkedIn group, Cultivating Business Growth Group. Send your question our way and we'll be happy to answer it the best we can. Or if it fits, we'll make a whole episode about it. Absolutely. Thanks, Megan, for all this. Um, we hope you found some value in everything. And uh, we, we always enjoy everybody listening to our podcasts and we hope it added value. We will... Obviously, you know, link to all of the topics that we talked about today in our show notes as well. So if you're looking for anything additional, feel free to hit up the show notes at pjscpas.com forward slash 2121. We will see you next time. Keep up the momentum. See you next week. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.